Good to be gathered together and uh, rejoicing that God kept away a lot of the weather that was uh, forecasted. Um, We're looking forward this evening to having our annual business meeting. And so as much as is possible, if you're at all able to be with us this evening, uh, do try to to prioritize that. We'll be uh, looking to select deacons and other officers and then as well to uh, put into place a budget for this coming year, among other things. Uh, so as you're able, uh, try to prioritize being here this evening. And then uh, otherwise, uh, deacons, a uh, brief meeting right after the morning service, so we don't have to do anything this evening. And uh, this evening, if the, if the business meeting doesn't go too long, we'll uh, review some of the day's uh, services and events. In terms of prayer requests, a few things to make note of. Um, One, Rochelle's brother uh, has some significant personal problems and God has uh, resolved some of them, but pray that God would continue to work in his heart and in his circumstance. So be praying for Rochelle's Rochelle's brother. Uh, Be praying for Marianne's uh, granddaughter, Kelly, and her family. they actually live in the trailer court just south of us here, and they recently had uh, they had uh, a fire on the exterior of the trailer uh, because of Christmas lights, and due to some disputes with the uh, with the landlord, uh, uh, the landlord wants them to pay for all the repairs. So uh, pray pray for them as they navigate that navigate that. Uh, that problem, and that they might be able to continue to live uh, live uh, where they are, if that would be the Lord's will. And then praying for other churches in Minnesota uh, without without pastors. These are the MARBC churches that I know of that are uh, pastorless at the moment: uh, Cambridge, Moorhead, uh, Rochester, and Winnebago. So pray that God would bring to them pastors. Uh, rejoicing in God's leadership of Berean Baptist in Detroit Lakes with Pastor Tim Riley, uh, with whom I, I am acquainted. I pray that God would continue to bless and uh, work through him in laboring for the gospel there in in Detroit Lakes. And then uh, I'm sure Tabitha would love if we pray that the little one arrives soon. Uh, so looking forward to God's kindness there. Uh no other prayer requests uh, or, or announcements at the moment. Let us uh, think on our scripture memory as we look forward to a new year. We want to serve and labor for our Lord. And Colossians 3 is a good reminder for us. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Uh, we have the privilege of serving the Lord Christ. And might we, in all that we do, uh, serve and work and labor heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Let us begin our time in worship by looking to uh, our God in prayer Let us bow before our Lord 
and maker. Lord, we recognize that you are the great creator, God. And as our creator, we desire to be faithful as your creatures in your service. Uh, Even as Paul commands us in Colossians 3, might you strengthen us in being faithful Uh, working hard as for you rather than for men. We are easily distracted by the approval and the opinion of other people. Uh, Lord, keep us focused on your approval and your uh, goodwill and desires being done and accomplished in our life. We pray that you might do that for our church as we look forward to serving you another year, we are weak, we are small, we are desiring to be humble before you, knowing who we are, also desiring to come humbly before you, that we might beseech your great strength on our behalf. You can work in ways beyond all that we could ask or think through us in this year ahead. We pray that in your kind grace and mercy, you might do exactly that. Help us to be relying on you day by day, praying for one another, faithful in our families to be seeking your glory and your praise. Might you help us so that you would get the glory and praise even as we look back on the year, another 11 months hence, that we might be able to look back and rejoice in what you have done. We trust that you would direct and guide us in our decisions and Our commitments this evening do give us wisdom according to your plans and purposes. And might you get the glory in bringing us together in unity and with joy. We pray, Lord, for those who are absent from us because of health concerns. We pray that you would continue to strengthen and uphold. We thank you for your kind hand in answering a number of prayers that we've prayed even recently and we pray that you would continue continue to bless even our nation and around the globe with a multiplication of vaccines that could help us to get back to more of normal peaceful living that we might serve you in peace that we might lift up your name um, without uh, undue hindrances. We pray that you would keep us faithful in lifting up your name, even in our current circumstance. Um, Might you get the glory. We think, Lord, of other churches seeking to 
labor through these same problems and pray that you would bless and help them in it. Think of Berean Baptist and Pastor Riley. Uh, Lord, work through him. Um, Encourage and strengthen him and encourage uh, his church through him. Might your word be strong on his lips even today. And might you use them in their community as pillars and supports of the truth in that uh, area of Minnesota. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, bless in numerous other circumstances. We think of Rochelle's brother. We think of Kelly and her family. Think of Matt and Tabitha and the expectation of a little one soon. We pray that you might kindly answer prayer, um, that in your grace, your blessings and your um, hand of mercy would be uh, seen and known, that we might be able to rejoice. As we look forward to worship today, we think on the theme of the forgiveness that we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And even as we reflect on the joy of knowing that our sins are washed clean by the blood of Christ, the joy of knowing that you separate our sins from us as far as the east is from the west, might you rejoice our voices in song and might our hearts and our souls follow in mirth and adoration for who you are and what you have done by our our savior your son we pray that you will bless in christ's name we trust in him we rest in him alone amen as we begin concluding the Uh, 22nd Psalm, as we look to the responsive reading this morning, Psalm 22, as we read together. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him for help, he heard. From you comes my praise in the great assembly. I shall pay my vows before those who fear him. The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will worship before him. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust will bow before him, even he who cannot keep his soul alive. Posterity will serve him. 
it will be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They will come and will declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has performed it. Amen. As we begin in song, we'll take our handouts and sing together, Praise my soul, the King of Heaven. Would you stand as we sing, Praise my soul, the King of Heaven. Praise my soul, the King of Heaven, to His feet Thy tribute bring, ransom healed, restored, forgiven, who like me His praise should sing. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him, praise the God of grace. God is gracious to us in his forgiveness. Turn in the gray hymnals to number 81. Depth of mercy can there be mercy still reserved for me. Number 81 in the gray hymnals. Depth of mercy. Depth of mercy can there be mercy still reserved for 
come for this morning's offering if you'd like to follow along 23b psalm 23b in the blue hymnal psalm 23b the king of love my shepherd is let us look to our our god once more lord we did not deserve your mercy, your pity. We do not deserve your mercy, your grace. As we think on who we were before Christ, as we think on who we are, redeemed but not yet glorified, Lord, strengthen us in serving and following you, blameless and upright, knowing the joy of Christ's righteousness, walking in reliance in the Holy Spirit's strength and help that we might be faithful to you. Lord, bless as we give. We desire that you would Use our service and worship even in this giving to your glory, not for our own glory or the glory of our church, but that your name and the name of your son might be uplifted. 
We pray your blessing in Christ's name. Amen. once again and turn with me to number 243, the blue hymnals, 243. Come thou fount of every blessing. Would you, as you're able, would you stand again as we sing, come thou fount of every blessing, 243.
number 76 number 76 when all thy mercies O my god my rising soul surveys number 76 scripture reading this morning, Psalm 130, if you'd follow along 
as the scriptures are read. Psalm 130, a song of ascents. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Let us pray. Great God of wonders, in all you are all your ways you are matchless, Godlike, divine. But Father, as we consider ourselves, something that you have done shines above these other things. As we consider the forgiveness, the pardon that we have in you. The things that we have sung this morning remind us of our sin. And this passage does as well. For Father, our sin is great. We stand accused of great wrong. And Father, if you would hold that to our account, who could stand before you? For we truly deserve the death that is the penalty for what we have done. But Father, you have pardoned us. Not that you have simply dismissed what we have done, said, oh, that's all right. The weight of that penalty fell upon our Savior. We are humbled to think of what he endured that we might be reconciled to you. But he has done that. And based on what he has done, we can stand justified in your sight. Who is a pardoning God like thee? And who has grace so rich and free? And Father, may we always remember with humility and thankfulness what you have done for us. Amen.
truly how blessed is he whose trespass has been forgiven. Psalm 32b in the blue hymnals. Psalm 32b, how blessed is he whose trespass. Let us sing together. second verse and the men sing the third ladies alone on the second men alone on the third i hear the words of love Oh 
invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy. As we take up study of the book of 1 Timothy, we'll begin today by introductory comments on the book of 1 Timothy, looking to the beginning of the book. 1 Timothy, Paul is writing to a fellow servant of the Lord. And Paul, as he writes to Timothy, writes these words. 1 Timothy chapter 1, we'll read the first five verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior, And of Christ Jesus, who is our hope. To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. As I urged you upon my departure for Macedonia to remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach sound doctrines, strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths, and endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, to Timothy, his true child in the faith. Might we listen and hear the word of God this day and in the months ahead, might we devote ourselves to this book of the scriptures that we might be edified. Let us bow and ask for the Lord's edification even in our lives through his word. Lord, your messengers have come and gone in centuries, yea, even millennia past. And yet your word remains for us. We thank you for your kind gift of your word. And I would pray as we Look to the book of 1 Timothy this day and in the weeks ahead. Lord, that the grace and mercy and peace that come from you, that come from Christ Jesus, our master, Lord, that they might be grown in our hearts and lives. We deserve not your grace. We have known and delighted in your mercy. And we ask that we might continue to be blessed in your peace. Instruct us even by this letter of instruction to Timothy. Might you shape and direct in our hearts and lives 
For we trust in your care and ask your blessing as we look to your word this morning. We pray in the name of the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul is writing to Timothy in light of particular problems and concerns that Paul recognizes in the church at Ephesus. And so this instruction is helpful for the people in Ephesus. It's helpful directly for Timothy himself. But I would encourage us to see its benefit for us, all of us, whether we labor as ministers of the gospel, um, dedicated to that life in full-time vocational ministry, or whether we are laboring through life, mothering, homemaking, working to make ends meet at the job that the Lord has provided, going to school and learning that we might serve the Lord in days and years ahead. Um, I, I would encourage us to think that this scripture text is especially for us in view of two uh, key ideas. First, as Paul pastors, and thus the pastoral epistles, uh, as Paul shepherds Timothy and Titus, and Paul encourages Timothy and Titus, who are working in pastoral capacities, if they are not uh, pastors of one particular local church, they're still working and laboring in pastoral capacities. Thus again, pastoral epistles. Um, As Paul encourages them to shepherd in their particular locations, Titus and Crete, Paul and uh, Timothy and Ephesus. As Paul encourages them in that, Um, we ought to understand that as pastors and uh, bishops and overseers are given to us in our local churches, they are given to us in part to be examples of serving the Lord. And so to the degree that Timothy is an example of serving the Lord, to the degree that Paul is in encouraging Timothy to be exactly that example to the people in Ephesus. To that degree, we might see pastors not as perfect saints. The Lord knows I am not. Not as uh, the cream of the crop among those who are knowledgeable and intellectually uh, well-versed in Uh, the things that make for good educations, Uh, not those who are the best uh, fitted to be managers and uh, leaders in terms of business structures and business leadership 
and thus put into pastoral uh, roles, but rather as those who, as Paul will emphasize, have devoted themselves to the Lord, have committed their character and their lives to serving the Lord, that they would thus be examples of serving the Lord to the brethren. As Timothy is that, so might we look to these ideals of character that are prescribed for Timothy and seek to inculcate them, put them into our own lives. But then, I think secondly, not only should we think of Timothy as an example to us, as all pastors ought to be examples to their churches, but also we should be mindful of the very last verse of the book. So 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 21, the last sentence of that last verse, grace be with you. And in the vast majority of most of Paul's letters, he includes some, uh, some form of this language. And as uh, is typical, he does here, he includes this grace be with you. And the you is not in the singular. The you is not directed to Timothy in particular. The you is in the plural. And, and we can understand why Paul is writing this grace be with you. Why Paul is writing this in the plural if we understand the context uh, in, in which Timothy is ministering. Timothy has been left behind in Ephesus as Paul went on to Macedonia. Timothy has been left in, in Ephesus that he might put, put in order things that are needing to be put in order there in Ephesus, that he might continue to help the church in in Ephesus, as we read in verse 3, and we'll uh, get to in in moments ahead. But uh, Paul is leaving Timothy, and as he's gone on to Macedonia, he writes back to Timothy, apparently reminding Timothy of things that he had already spoken and taught uh, Timothy orally, but especially presenting this book uh, through Timothy to the church at Ephesus, that the church at Ephesus might be reminded of the authority that Timothy has in their body. This is apostolic authority. Paul has gone on and Paul has left Timothy to be his delegate, as it were, his uh, extension of himself in the church at Ephesus. And so Paul writes this letter of commendation. This is a letter which uh, seeks to help Timothy to, to, to have his uh, status in the church at Ephesus recognized. And so Paul concludes this letter, which would have been read aloud at, at the church there, at some church meeting. They would have read from verse 1 of chapter 1. Uh, chapters and verses not included at that time, but from that point all the way to the end of the letter in the, in the hearing of the whole congregation. And when you finally get to the end of the book, Paul will make clear that this isn't just for Timothy. 
This is for all of you who are listening in. Grace be with you. The Lord seeks to have his grace put on display by including in the scriptures uh, portions of the word of God which are written to others but are for us. Written to others but are for us. So might we delight as we go through uh, in the weeks and months ahead, as we go through the book of Timothy, might we delight to take and apply the word of God to Timothy in our lives, in our circumstances. I was reading, uh, trying to find a helpful illustration of one of the uh, main truths that I would like to underscore here this morning as we introduce the book of First Timothy, uh, reading in a law journal uh, of all places. Um, and I came across an article entitled, When Truth is Not Truth, Thoughts on Teaching in an Era of Alternative Facts. And the author writes this, Over centuries, the fixed meaning of truth predominated in Western thought. But modern philosophers, building off the work of 19th and 20th century scientists, showing that the, the, quote, truths about the physical universe were themselves constantly open to questions and change, end quote, have reanimated relativistic principles of truth in the modern imagination. Modern philosophers have made the relativistic idea of truth popular to the modern mind. The the idea that truth is not absolute, that truth does not have a firm and solid basis, but truth has a changing basis. That is an idea that is prevalent throughout our culture. Uh, Your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth, and we all need to affirm one another's truths, right? Truths, plural, truths with an S, as inconvenient as that is to say, truths. This is is the, the culture that we live in. This is the world that we live in. There is not truth. There are truths. Well, as we look to this book of Timothy, I would like to highlight some of the notable portions of Timothy first. And then I would like to note the two foundations that Paul is building on that are most clearly evident throughout the whole of the book. And the one is the foundation of truth. And the other is the foundation of the church. The foundation of truth and the foundation of the church. Uh, First, by way of introducing the book and some of its gems, uh, Paul intentionally begins and ends the book by concluding those sections with some poetry, with some language that's elevated and noble with language that's memorable and and to help us 
to further understand a little bit of the lay of the land of the, the, the book and its, its argument, its arc, um, there is another poem right smack dab in the middle. And, and these are all worthy texts for considering some of the, the gems in First uh, Timothy. First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 17. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul has just concluded, speaking of Timothy's obligation and service to the Lord and of Paul's own call to his to service and ministry uh, in the Lord's uh, in the Lord's uh, service. And as Paul concludes that, he concludes with this praise. Now to the King eternal. Immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That's hymn worthy. That's praise worthy. That's the God whom Paul and Timothy are serving. That is the God who has sent our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to be the head of the church. Paul then communicates some of the problems in the church that need attention. And he concludes with this hymn in praise of what our God has done. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 16. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Here again, who is Paul focusing on? Paul is focusing on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Great is the mystery of godliness. Christ came in the flesh, Christ was proven to be all that he said himself to be through the work and and affirmation of the Holy Spirit. Christ was seen by angels. Christ and the gospel are proclaimed among the nations. Christ is believed on in the world and Christ was taken up in glory. Given such a magnificent and splendid head of the church, how can we not but love our Savior and love the church which he has established? In conclusion, Paul brings the further instructions related to the church in particular. He brings them to a glorious anthem of conclusion when he writes about Christ and he says in verse 15 of the last chapter, writes about Christ saying, He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, who no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen.
Now, I think Paul has changed from speaking about Christ as he does in verse 14 in the beginning of verse 15 to God the Father as he does in that magnificent hymn of praise. But the point is that as we think on who it is that has given us this word of Scripture, this great God who has sent his son Jesus Christ that he might be our Savior from sin, the one and only Savior from sin. This great God is worthy of honor and eternal dominion. If God has sent his son to establish his church, if God, who has all honor and eternal dominion, has sent uh, his uh, servant Jesus Christ to be our Savior, then surely we should rejoice to sing the praises of our Savior and of the God and Father who has done all of that in mercy and grace. I think these are just but some of the gems that you find as you go through the book of 1 Timothy. And I think they do help us to be reminded of the fact that Paul is focusing on the Lord even as he encourages Timothy in particular ministry in Ephesus. Paul Paul is not establishing a foundation of truth and a, a foundation of the church apart from God. Paul has theological Paul has a theological aim which he is it, it has throughout the book that he is establishing uh, the, the truth and the goodness of, of truth and the truth and the goodness of the church on. Theology proper uh, and Christology uh, are, are shot through this, this book of First Timothy. Which leads us then to consider two of the main themes. Now, if you uh, go through and you uh, try to outline the book, um, probably you would outline chapter one as being introductory and Paul uh, introduces the, con- the initial concern that he has and it, the main reason that he's writing to Timothy. You see this as we already read in verse three. As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus for what purpose? So that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. So, so Paul is concerned about false doctrine in the church in Ephesus and about the, the uh, they aren't outsiders who've come into the church, but people in the church who are promoting false doctrine. And Paul is wanting uh, Timothy to combat that false doctrine. So, so you see Timothy in view and this introduction of Paul's uh, Paul's status as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ and Timothy and his responsibility as a servant in, in Ephesus in particular uh, brought through the, the whole of chapter number one. Well, then in chapter number two um, and following, Paul is apparently working through some of the different concerns that in chapter two and three, especially Paul is working through some of the concerns in the church and how the church might go forward in 
um, the sanctity of the God-blessed ministry that they ought to undertake in the by the direction of the Lord and by the direction of Paul. And so chapter 2 and 3 really help us to focus in on the church. And then chapter 4 and 5 and 6 come back and uh, underscore some of the problems in terms of the false doctrine. You see the um, chapter 4 and verse 1, but the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith. So you have this emphasis again on the truth and the need for truth and the need to stand for truth and the need to combat that which is false. So I think as, as even as you think about an outline and then Paul brings it all conclusion in the last, the last portion of chapter 6, um, even as you think about an outline of the book, I think you can see how that Paul is emphasizing the importance of truth and the importance of the church. And so I'd like to uh, look to those two key themes as we think about this book. One of the, well, one of the uh, commentators that I read said that identifying the occasion and purpose for writing any document is usually important for fully understanding the content and meaning of the message conveyed. And I think that's exactly true and exactly appropriate as we look to First uh, Timothy. Now, the first purpose statement we've already read, and it's a purpose statement which makes clear the importance of truth. Timothy is supposed to stand against those who are false teachers, strange doctrine. When you look to what God has established as the truth and you compare that to what some of the uh, some of the upstarts in the, the congregation there in Ephesus have begun to teach in that uh, congregation, you compare the two, two things and you find one to have truth, one to have solidity, one to have permanence, and the other wavering. The other, crooked, strange. The other, not sound doctrine, but that which is unhealthy. That, that which would yield sickness and disease. This, I think, is implied even as you think about the greater context of this church in Ephesus. So, all the way back in Exodus, sorry, Exodus, the, all the way, we're talking about Ephesus, and if you put Ephesus and Acts together in the wrong way, you might come up with Exodus. But um, Acts chapter 20, as Paul is uh, speaking about uh, his leaving the church at Ephesus, you might recall how Paul has already warned the elders there. He's warned the elders of upcoming problems. Paul is going to be faithful in proclaiming uh, the whole counsel of God as he has done. And then he continues by giving direct uh, instruction to the, the elders of the church of Ephesus in verse 28. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, Savage wolves will come in among you, 
not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse, twisted things, strange doctrines, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are are sanctified. Paul finds uh, his hope in his God and he commends the, the elders of Ephesus to God on the basis of the word of uh, God's grace. But what is this word of God's grace in part that Paul leaves with them before he, before he goes his way? Warning. God's grace and God's truth sometimes comes in the form of warning. This is exactly the, the, the sentiment, right? This is exactly the idea that we find in 1 Timothy. In 1 Timothy, as Paul writes to Timothy, it is need for Timothy to instruct certain men. Paul, Paul is leaving Timothy to fight the good fight of faith, to use language of, uh, that Paul uses of himself. Paul is, is seeking for Timothy to be upholding the truth there in, um, there in, uh, in Ephesus. I think you find this throughout the, the book as you look to uh, what the book teaches about uh, what Timothy is to, uh, what Timothy is to uphold. Uh, even as you think about uh, our Savior, uh, Jesus Christ, Uh, Verse number three of chapter two, uh, it speaks of uh, the the prayer for kings and all in authority as being good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This this, uh, theme of truth, Paul brings up even as we go through the book. And then as you think on the, the nature of the, and the nature of the problems that uh, Paul is addressing in various forms, uh, he tells Timothy to take that truth and to apply it in the life of the church there in Ephesus. For example, chapter 4 and verse 11, prescribe and teach these things. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Uh, let there be some truth as to your character. And because of the truth of your character, thus you'll be able to teach prescribing and teaching these things. It's, it's a demonstration of the truth. It's a, it's a repeating of the truth that the people there in Ephesus might know the truth and love the truth and follow the truth. There are many ways uh, to go away from the truth, but those ways Paul warns against. 
He desires, for example, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 1. All who are under the yoke of slaves are to regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and our doctrine will not be spoken against. There, there, there are those who would speak against the truth, the doctrine that Paul has given. You see this language implied further along in verse number three, after Paul says again, end of verse two, to teach and preach these principles. If anyone, verse three, advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, that's the word for being healthy, words that yield health, words that are, are, are life-giving, if anyone does not agree with sound words, those are our Lord Jesus Christ and with the doctrine conforming to godliness. So here, again, without using the word truth, Paul is speaking about truth. Paul is seeking for, uh, for Timothy to be faithful in his, uh, in his laboring, fighting, guarding the truth. So I think we see throughout the book the importance of uh, truth as we look throughout the book. And then we see, secondly, the importance of the church, the importance of the church, the foundation of the church. Uh, one of Paul's uh, purpose statements is chapter 1 and verse 3. A second of Paul's purpose statements is in chapter 1 and verse, uh, sorry, chapter 3 and verse 15. Chapter 3 and verse 15. So if we're going to understand uh, the book well, we need to understand Paul's purpose. And he says again his purpose in chapter 3. Let, let's read uh, verse 14 and 15. I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. So Paul is anticipating that he, he won't have to stay away from Ephesus, but he will himself be able to come and help them. Though he's labored three years previously, he's desiring to minister still more among them. But he says, verse 15, in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct one himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Now we know the foundation of the truth, looking through the book. Now we have the foundation of the church. Foundation of the church, the importance of the church. This is one of the reasons that Paul uh, writes to Timothy so that Timothy would know how to help the church to function and to, to, to minister and to serve, to worship and to order its uh, obligations before the Lord in ways that are pleasing to the Lord. How one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. We know that the church is important in part because of the language. The, the household of God is the church of God. Those phrases are used parallelly. They're, they're used synonymously. What is a household? Well, it's all the members of, in, in uh, Greco-Roman thinking, it's all the members of one's personal uh, immediate family, plus any extended family who would be uh, in, in the house. Typically, there would be a patriarch and the patriarch and uh, family members 
uh, beyond just uh, his wife and children would be in the house. And then beyond that, there would be the servants of the house. And that was the word, that word here that's used, that word for household is the word that's here. Which implies that this is the group of people who you care most about. Right? You, you care most about your family. You care most about your living circumstance. And Paul wants us to do exactly that. Don't, don't be thinking of your personal nuclear family as most important. Be thinking of your church family as most important. Now we've seen this elsewhere and Peter, Peter makes this point. But here, note, even if you just think in terms of that which is permanent and enduring and that which is impermanent and temporary, family relationships do not necessarily last for all of eternity. But our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, that is forever permanent. And so the, 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 the lifting high the importance of the church by calling it the household, that is clear here in this text. The household of God is the church of the living God. If we think with importance of our personal family, uh, all the more ought we to think with importance of the church of the living God. Furthermore, the church of the living God is itself under, undertaking to do what? To be the pillar and ground of the truth. More, more on that when we get to the text in weeks ahead. But all of this pointing out the importance of the church and the importance of, uh, the, importance of the truth. I think... As you think about the importance of the church and the importance of the truth, I think you can see this further in how um, Paul instructs Timothy in the regard to the particular problems that are in the church. So the particular problems that Paul is dealing with and interacting with, the particular falsehoods that he's confronting, are, are falsehoods where? Falsehoods in the church. So then again, you have this connection between the church and the truth. It is because of Paul's concern for the church uh, that he's trying to help that church to confront the problems of the truth. It's because of Paul's concern for the truth that he's trying to help the church weed out the falsehood. Both and. Both and. You can see the different problems in the church. And you can see that Paul, uh, throughout the book, is addressing uh, Timothy to these problems, those who claim an interest in the law, chapter 1 and verse eight, uh, 7 and 8, those who are, are observing dietary restrictions that they shouldn't, chapter 4 and verse 3, those who claim to have special knowledge, chapter 6 and verse 20 and 21, those who are uh, concerned about uh, uh, frivolous language and, and doctrines built on fables and genealogies, uh, the, the fourth verse of chapter 6 and the fourth verse of chapter 1, and those who are disparaging marriage and, and the like in chapter 4 and verse 3. So I think uh, you, you see by looking at the problems that Paul is dealing with, 
you see that he's dealing with truth and falsehood in application of ideas to life and in evaluation of the treatment of God's good creation. Those who say, you ought not to eat such and such. Well, Paul goes to God's good creation and notes everything that is is, uh, rejoiced in with thanksgiving, every food uh, received with thanksgiving is to be rejoiced in. Uh, I I think you have the the connection of truth and, and its importance in the life of the church. But note, the life of the church is not just the life of the church in uh, in, in, its, uh, in its association and assembly on a Sunday morning. It's, it's not the life of the church for, in our modern conception, three hours during the week. Sunday school, Sunday morning, and Sunday evening or Wednesday night. Rather, when Paul is talking about upholding the importance of the church... He's talking about upholding the importance of the church as it impacts you through all of life and all of your relationship through the course of the week. As Paul brings all of this to conclusion, I think the sixth chapter is a help for us in understanding the joy of truth and the joy of of Timothy guarding himself there uh, there in the church. Paul says, O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge, which some has professed and thus gone astray from the faith. We need the faith. We need the faith once for all uh, given to the saints. The faith which is the truth that the pillar and support that the church is upholding. But what is Timothy to be doing? Timothy is to be opposing the falsehood and the contradiction of that faith. One last application as we think about the importance of uh, truth and the importance of uh, the church. The end for which we live and aspire and uh, hopefully minister and serve is that one day the Lord, when he judges us, would say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But one helpful note, uh, let us remember that well begun is not well done. Well begun is not well done. I think this is helpfully pointed out by the greater context in which Timothy is serving. Timothy is serving where? In Ephesus, where Paul has served how many years establishing the church? Three years. He spends three years amongst them, 
And yet, even with that great foundation, they still have more to do. There's still that which needs to be done, that which remains to be done. And so I think that as we think about our own lives personally, or as we think about our church corporately, well begun is not well done. You could see this, for example, in the the churches of Revelation. Think think on uh, Jesus' admonition to those churches. And some of them began well. But that doesn't mean that there's a well done in store. Furthermore, Jesus' own language. Jesus says... That, that one day there will be the acclamation of well done. As Timothy needs to put uh, the, the, the uh, legwork, Timothy needs to uh, use his elbow grease to work on the church and be a, a servant of the church there in Ephesus. So also might we be faithful serving and laboring because of the importance of the, tr- of the truth and because of the importance of the church that one day we might hear those glorious words, well done. Let us pray. Lord, all around us, truth is up for grabs. But clearly, you have proclaimed that truth is not optional, variable, transient. Lord, help us in loving the truth. And so then, Lord, since the church is pillar and ground of the truth, help us in loving the church. I pray that as we go through unusual circumstances that we've been in for this past portion of this last year, and as they continue in this coming year, Lord, might you help us to be faithful in our church. Give us wisdom in application of the truth. Give us joy in the edification of our church. Might you get the glory as we serve you. We pray that one day we might be able to hear, not because of us, not because of our perfection, but because of Christ and his righteousness and his sanctification worked in us, might we be able to hear those words. Well done. I pray this in our Savior's name. Amen. Take the blue hymnals 588, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Would you stand as we sing about...
God's truth abideth still, his kingdom is forever. 588, let us sing together.
Satan is no friend of truth. Satan, no friend of the church. But we, as we let good and kindred go, might we be faithful in pursuing God's truth, which abideth still. Let us be dismissed. You go forth in the blessing of our Lord. God bless you.